0: Much of what we've been able to achieve through the Candid Frame has been a result of your kindness and support. You have been a regular listener, and you've helped to spread the word. And it was through your generous contributions that we were able to create the Candid Frame app and make it available to everyone for free. You can continue to support the work we do here by contributing as little as $2 a month to our Patreon campaign. He not only help to meet our costs of production, but provide us the means to improve the quality of the show and do so much more. Contribute today by visiting patreon.com forward slash the candid frame. This is Ibadian X, and this is The Candid Frame. Of the hundreds of conversations we have shared here on The Candid Frame, the episodes I most often get feedback on have been my conversations with Jeffrey Sidoris, who some of you may know from his On Taking Pictures podcast, which he co-hosts with photographer Bill Watman. Jeffrey and I discovered each other as a result of our mutual appreciation for our respective podcasts, but it's often been our conversations without a microphone that have cemented our friendship. Speaking for myself, I appreciate our talks because it provides me an opportunity to think out loud about my own creative process. I always gain such insight about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. This latest sit-down was inspired by the release of his new book, Photography by the Letter, which he wrote, designed, and produced himself. It's a beautiful book that can serve as a valuable reference book for any photographer, regardless of experience level. But as always, I hope that this conversation, like so many others, both entertains and inspires you. All right, well, Jeffrey, welcome back to the Gander Frame. It's always always a, a pleasure to sit down and chat with you.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. It's been way too long. I know. I know. It's <laughs> been. It's been. Ages. But I, I feel like we we have, in some ways, you know, I went back and and. I feel like in some ways we just did that, the the the, the last talk, yeah. but then you look at the dates and you go, geez, has it really been that? What?
0: Yeah, one look in the mirror and all the gray hairs and <laughs> it tells you all you need to know. Right, right. Well, a, a lot has changed since we talked to you last. Yes. Um, you're, you're married. You're, uh, yes. You're a stepdad. You're, yes. you're on the East Coast. Yes, all, well, all true. I While I enjoy eighty
1: degree weather, you've you've been st- we are enjoying twenty something degrees and freezing rain. <laughs> 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 but you know, some
0: some people, who, uh, no doubt, know who you are because they've, they've, they've listened to the show or they listen to uh, or your sister's show on taking pictures that you do. Yep. So, why don't you just sort of catch people up in terms of who you are and what you're doing now, and then we'll sort of just get into it.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, as you said, we, we've we been doing On Taking Pictures not quite as long as, as you've been doing the Candid Frame. I think we're, let's see, you're on, what, 409, I think? Yeah, 408, four, I think. Four, 408, something like yeah. that. We just, we just did 302 this week, so you've got a good couple years on us. But yeah, On Taking Pictures, we started that in 2012. And uh, there have been a few different incarnations of process-driven that are that are more further between than I'd like, but it is something that I'm getting back to this this year and have been recording kind of in the background to to release. And then you know, the for the past few years, two and a half anyway, has been the book. You know, once I I didn't really work on it a lot when I was in California. I really started working on it when I got here, partially because. You know, it it was a new environment and I had a lot of time on my hands. So I just kind of sunk everything into that for a while and, and, and tried to see where that would go. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a major accomplishment. I mean
0: I've written a couple of books, but I've never gone to the extent of doing as much work as you did to produce the the, the book. Oh, but, thanks. But Thank before you. we talk about the book, I yep. you know I want to talk about you know your your, your own creativity over the years because I I remember I don't know if we've talked about it during the recorded conversations, but I know mm-hmm. that we both talked a lot about um, just the struggle about being creative absolutely and and, and finding not only sort of an outlet for creativity but always trying to figure out well what do we want to say what what do we Mm -hmm. want to do Mm -hmm. and along with photography you know you've you've been pretty active in terms of your painting Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so i really would like to sort of have you sort of updated update us on, on sort of that journey in terms of sort of finding your place in terms of being a creative person
1: You know, it's, it's always, it's, I mean, creativity, I said this to somebody the other day, creativity is messy. Um, At least it is for me. And it, it, it doesn't have to be torturous. It doesn't have to be, you know, life and death. But it's ironic that, that, you know, I say that when sometimes it feels like it is, it feels like, you know, it's, it's now or never to get something out and you struggle with what does it mean and is it any good? And, and, you know, those are, those are just sort of the voices in my own head before it even gets out to, you know, my website or social media or, or, you know, letting anyone else see it and weigh in on it, you know? So there, there definitely is that, that struggle of, of finding a voice or finding your vision or, you know, whatever term you want to call it, it is, it is a struggle. Um, for, for me, there have been a series of starts and stops, some self-imposed, some a result of circumstance. And I, I feel like where I'm at now is in a place where I have given myself permission to play and to give, have given myself permission to experiment again without approaching everything as if it has to be a perfectly formed polished final product. And I think that's where I was getting stuck is is if I couldn't if I couldn't see a way to you know end product and I mean product literally a product that you mm-hmm. can that you can sell and monetize then I I, I often would scrap the idea. I think there are a number of of folks out there trying to figure out how do I how do I monetize or how do I make a living or how do I how do I make a little bit towards a living from a creative life and what does that mean and um, you know I I think for me it's been trying at least to let go of the monetization first and get back to trying to create a body of work or create a narrative or or just see my hands in motion, you know what i mean? Mm-hmm. just see myself, you know, lately it's it's a, a good day is when i'm covered in paint, you know, then i i know that i've been doing instead of talking about doing or thinking about doing, you know, i've actually been doing and that's that's been more important to me lately is to try and to try and get over that that initial hump of of putting myself in motion, you know? Yeah. That's interesting. Uh,
0: I've been doing some writing recently, and one of the things that I uh, was writing about was this idea of, you know, when I first picked up the camera, it was really associated with a sense of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just discovery. Um, I couldn't wait to get out there and pick up a camera and make pictures. And largely I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but there was <laughs> right, right. but there was such um uh, uh, a self affirmation, uh, a happiness that I derive from it. Sure. And then at some point, um, the struggle is getting back to that place, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and that sometimes the the obstacles have nothing to do with the physical reality of getting out there and making the photographs. It's more right. more about the headspace. And you you said a perfect example of of assigning some sort of parameters of an outcome in this case. Having a product that sort of stands in the way of you being creative, and for me, for, I, for me, it's returning to that space of joy that comes from mm-hmm, creating mm-hmm. something.
1: What what was that space?
0: What was that joy replaced with? If you don't mind my asking. Oh, it was just the onus that you just described. Oh, especially yeah. now, it's like okay, I. I have, I'm dedicating this time, but am I making a living from it? Am I earning mm-hmm. money from it? Is it mm-hmm. really gonna get me anywhere differently than uh, I was last year? You know, there's, there, was, there was so much, I was burdening burdening it with a lot of stuff. It wasn't creativity just for creativity's sake. Right, it was but the means by which I could earn money, or advance right, right. the podcast, or affect my career, and as a result, it would lead oftentimes to paralysis, or it would lead me to practicing a, a, an unreasonable level of perfectionism. Right? Yeah, where well, I would just yeah. be hypercritical. of <laughs> Everything that I was doing never Mm -hmm. was good enough. And uh, even if I was able to get it done, uh, I could never really be happy with what I had accomplished. Right. Because you
1: end up suffocating to a degree, you end up suffocating creativity. Right. There's all this stuff that we pile on that creativity has to get out from under before it can breathe. And and, and the reality for me was
0: that all this stuff is self-imposed. Sure, that sure. it's not anyone coming from the outside and telling me that the work is not good enough, or that you need to step up your game, or you know, or in, or making any judgments about it at all. If anything, the feedback I got there, a lot of the things that I would put out there was really favorable; was very positive. But I still would put these obstacles between me and my enjoyment of them, mm. which made the act of going out to be creative. That much more difficult, mm. right? So, it's so like, how do you,
1: how do you then reconcile that with with your role as sort of teacher and and mentor? If it's if it's if it's that kind of struggle for you, how how do you get out from under that to encourage others to pursue their curiosity or their creativity? Well, Is that that's got to be a lot more difficult, right? It, it
0: can be leading up to it, but you know, one of the things that I like about teaching is that when I get out there and I start showing people what I do, all that stuff is all of a sudden wiped away. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting in, in, in my teaching because that has allowed me to gain a perspective of how all these things stand in the way of my creativity. Because once I'm out there and I'm just telling people what I do and I break it down into such simple terms, I realize, oh my God, this is so much fun. I enjoy this so much. Right. Uh, i'm I'm excited that other people are being able to take it, apply it in their own way and create marvelous things. I mean every time I teach a workshop and I see the images that people produce by the end of the workshop, I'm just amazed. you know D-
1: does that act as as some sort of almost fuel for you to to does it carry over after the workshop ends where you're like, okay. I'm on fire now. Let's let's get out and and make and create. Is there a little bit of a of a tapering off where where resistance kind of comes back in before it comes back in? Uh, to some extent, but I think the greater degree just
0: reaffirms that a lot of my thinking is BS. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah, yeah, you know that stuff you've been thinking. It's BS because here, <laughs> here here you've seen people who have just taken a small bit of what you practice and right. look at what they created. Right. You just gave them a, uh, an insight into how you do it. They go out and they apply it, and they're creating images that you wish you had taken
1: <laughs> within forty-eight hours, yeah, right? So, so, what, so then you get back. What am I doing wrong? Where? Wh- what? What is it? Where? Yeah. Why am I stuck? But yeah. you know,
0: I, I went to South Africa this past summer to teach, and I think there I probably created some of the the better images that I've made in a couple of years, mm. and I was completely in that space where I was completely present, wasn't burdened with a lot of the stuff that I usually am burdened by. And even though I wasn't producing as many images as my, as my typically, um, just the idea that I was just in the moment in a way that has often proved elusive to me.
1: What do you think about it? Was di- Why was it different? Was, is there a, a, a different sort of cultural approach to photography there? Or what, what changed? I, I, a, a complete lack of sleep uh, it was probably a, a big factor. I'm, and I'm not right.
0: kidding you. I, I, I had the most severest jet lag that I've ever had. I probably only had one, in, in a week there, I probably only had one night of continuous continuous uninterrupted sleep. Wow. And the rest of it would be like going to sleep, waking up refreshed, and then looking, and it's only an hour later. Wow. And then having a full itinerary the next day. So I think to some degree, it was just that I was completely off kilter mm-hmm. and that um, I was just, I, you know, I, I, I guess I didn't have the energy to indulge in my usual crappy head speak. <laughs> right. You know? Right. That, that voice was too tired. That, exactly. <laughs> he was so fatigued. He's like, I don't care what you do.
1: <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna, I need some rest. I mean, maybe there's something to that, right? A muscle memory took over, and and those little voices—they just—they—they they didn't have the energy to speak that day or those days.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it was just oh. like go out there, and it was just, just, just see and shoot. Because I was, I, I was usually, at, you know, with a bunch of people. You know, um, as we went around Johannesburg and they would have questions for me. And and it was like, you know, I wasn't actively teaching to the degree that I usually am at, at a normal workshop. I was like there mm-hmm. as a resource. And then I was just sort of just taking it in and looking and looking around. And I don't think it was so much that it was an exotic an exotic location for me um because it was basically the streets of johannesburg to to some extent was no different for me as any major city is Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know and how long were you there a week yeah yeah and then you know i came back and i looked at the images and i saw an amazing amazing consistency there which was really uh really excited me and then looking at the pictures i was remembering how I don't, I don't want to say that those voices were completely gone but they didn't have the chokehold on me as they as, like they mm. normally do and I think you know I think part of it is just that I was outside of my normal routine you know I right. think that the, that's that's always helpful you know because but I was able to hold on to that soon and you know, even after I, I got back i I didn't immediately lose that mm-hmm. um, I
1: was able how to long get, did it take before before some of the the old tapes and, and old patterns started playing
0: oh, probably a couple of months couple of months but you know i think it's 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 well there are a couple of different there's another factor in here that 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 happened to me but i don't want to dominate this whole conversation (laughs) because i really want to talk to you but 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 real briefly i got i got diagnosed with diabetes a couple of years ago Uh uh-huh and i had had and i've talked about uh, on the show i had issues with depression and all this other stuff but it it came it came down that it had been i had been living with undiagnosed diabetes for who knows how long wow and that was really impacting everything especially my moods Hmm. and so you know i got on medication and and but i didn't want to become my dad in in my dad in his long final years had a table with like six or seven or eight different medications yeah sure so i just didn't want to go down that path i already have hypertension you know, and I was, all of a sudden it was like two pills and then it was going to turn into three and four. And I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, no way. So I got it in my head. I got to do something about this. So I got got to the gym. I cleaned up my eating. So I'm no longer diabetic. I'm pre diabetic and I'm just, Fantastic. just shy of being someone with a history of diabetes and not right. even pre diabetic.
1: And when did you start to notice a, a difference in terms of, of, mood and and the degree at which the mood would would affect you negatively oh almost
0: me almost immediately i mean once i got diagnosed and i was able to sort of take control of it not just with the medication but with you know with the diet and the eating Mm -hmm. um it was so much better because i would i would i was i was every symptom that you can have when you have diabetes i had Oh and wow! The 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 constant feeling of fatigue, mm-hmm. um, the dry mouth, uh, the change in moods, uh, the change in eyes, all the all the, all the, you know all the symptoms. You know the ones I researched it, I realized
1: I had all these things going on with me. Right. So you you, know? you, you rarely had any relief from the physical, let alone the mental. Right.
0: Exactly. Wow. So wow. as I finally got control of that, and I was more consistent especially with you not feeling fatigued constantly. Cause I would like mm-hmm. get a full night's sleep and then within two hours I would have to just lie on the couch and sleep some more. And so oh my. my productivity just took a nosedive. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't able to get all the things done that are get needed done. And then I would beat myself up for feeling like I was being lazy you know, and not being right. able to focus. And so I was just like, it was
1: just a big snowball. And r- remind me if we've talked about this before, but are you are you introvert or extrovert? I'm introvert, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um,
0: but once I was able to take control of that and sort of change that, that sort of helped me to sort of get back on the horse. And to a, a certain degree, it, it allowed me to be a, a lot more present in terms of mm-hmm. where I was at in any given moment. So when it came time to sort of be creative, I I saw it as uh, an opportunity to really be kind to myself and to do mm. something that really made me happy rather than it being, oh, here it is another time for me to do something I should be doing that I'm not doing. Right, right, you right. know, And because I'm not doing it, I'm worth less. You know, my value as a person all of a sudden is, 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 is because I'm not doing what I love to do or I'm not making enough
1: money from what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Oh, those are sometimes inexorably linked together. <laughs> so when <laughs> I got whatever, back, yeah. So, so when I got from South Africa,
0: I was able to retain that for a good amount of time. Mm. And also, you know, when I, so I think soon after I got back or right before i gotten back, my doctor had taken me off my... Uh, um, my diabetic medication, which was like mm. a major accomplishment for me. So I, I was really riding high from, from feeling like, man, if I can do this, I can do anything. Because sure. yeah. my doctor was well, telling yeah. me she never takes people off of medication.
1: Yeah. I mean, what an amazing feeling of accomplishment, you know, that, 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 you know, you're, you're reclaiming some of you, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but back to you. <laughs> no, this is great. I mean, I I had no idea about this. But but talk to me about the
0: the, the painting because I I've, I've, I've not had a chance to really see your paintings in the in the flash, but I've seen stuff that you've posted. That for me, that that stuff is really remarkable. Thank you,
1: thank you. You know, it's I've I've been painting since hmm, high school, off and on, and it got to a point in college where I thought to myself, "You're never going to be good enough." to hang in Moma or you know the met or a- anywhere else of note so why bother mm-hmm. and i quit and i didn't pick up a brush for i don't know 15 years you know it it, it finally occurred to me that there there's a big gap between you know <laughs> doing nothing and hanging in in moma there's a, there's a lot of opportunity that's that's that that, that exists between those two poles I, I, was, I was trying to explore how I could integrate photography and, and the, the painting work that I was doing. And, and my, my stuff was getting more and more abstract. Um, and I, I had found uh, a book called Digital Art Studio by uh, a woman named Dorothy Simpson Krauss, who's a wonderful uh, mixed media artist. Um, makes books, you know, hand binds them, uh, prints on all sorts of different substrates, and this book uh, opened up a whole different set of processes and and ideas, trains of thought for my own work because she was she was combining um, inkjet printing on a variety of different substrates, including making these these sort of gossamer like emulsion transfers that you could then integrate into anything a photograph, a painting, or a combination of the two. So I set out to, to kind of explore what I could do and, and, and explore this process. Um, and I, I hit a couple roadblocks and, and emailed Dorothy Krauss and, and asked her, uh, you know, w- what am I doing wrong? Or can I get, you know, how do I get around this? And she was absolutely so kind to, to respond. And so that first, that first small body of work really came out of just exploring process, exploring, trying to create my own sort of hybrid between analog and digital and and, and what that looked like. And I used some of the elements and the, some of the imagery that interested me at the time, mainly sort of propaganda, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of people like Banksy and Shepard Fairey. And, and, you know, I, I like sort of vintage propaganda and posters and, you know, pre and post-war propaganda. So I tried to integrate some of those sort of themes and messages into the work, just not really to have anything to say per se. Not I was I wasn't trying to create any sort of message in the work. I just like the iconography. I like the imagery, um, and they were interesting. And I, I showed them around, and and was in a couple gallery shows, and and people seemed to respond to to some of the things that I was doing. And then for whatever reason, I I stopped. Um, I think. Part of it was uh, my mom got sick, and uh, when she died, I sort of creatively shut down. I didn't, I didn't do anything for over a year. You know, I sort of dabbled at it again, and and um, didn't really see it going anywhere. You know, and then my dad got sick, and so that kind of you know had me thinking about other things than than trying to be creative but i found that i really missed it and and again it like we were talking before it 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 became an issue of well what's it going to look like where is it going to hang you know that those old tapes started playing again of you know if it's not going to be excellent or amazing or or at least pretty good then why bother but i found myself missing the process i i found myself missing the exploration of of using found objects or or integrating you know, uh, emulsion transfers or collage or, or um, what, what have you. And so I started again. And it take, the, 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 my particular process takes a fair bit of time. Uh, some of these pieces are, are 15, 20, 25 layers deep. And there's a, there's a fairly significant drying time that has to take place. So, you know, I, I may be working on a piece for a month or more, just in between layers, and by the time it gets done, I'm kind of bored with it. You know, I've kind of forgotten, you know, where I want to go with it. Or, you know, there are all all, all sorts of happy accidents that happen. They don't. You know, none of them have turned out the way I wanted them to or expected them to. They've all turned out very interesting, and and I've been very happy with the results. But there is a degree of of randomness to it that I found was was exciting. Because I didn't really know where they were going to go, I don't. I, I really don't know where it's going to go from here. I've just finished the first piece for 2018, and I'm I'm enjoying it. I don't necessarily want to be a political artist, but I find that there is so much fodder and fuel for the type of work that I'm that I'm interested in producing that it's hard not to be affected and want to respond to it, you know, visually. But I don't know where it's going to go, uh, and I and and. You know, Going back to this this idea of giving yourself permission to play, I just want to see now. I want to see where it goes without any sort of predetermined expectation. On does it have to hang? Does it have to sell? Um, does it have to get likes? Does it have to get you know hearts or whatever it is? And and just produce for me again. And I think that's kind of the key to all of this stuff. Is 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 not to get so sidetracked in producing what you think other people want. Of you, but just to produce something that's that's authentic to to your own sensibilities, your own sense of aesthetics, your own vision, whatever you want to call it, and and let the sort of chips of likes fall where they may. So, what's what's tipping the scales for you then?
0: I mean, from you know to being able to do that and not like letting all
1: those other excuses keep you from producing the work. You know, in a weird way, Barney next, I think it's the book because it it was. It it was a monumental project for me. It was by far the largest project I've ever done by myself. And I had such angst about it that seeing it through to completion and actually holding a copy of this thing in my hand has given me a confidence that has been lost for a lot of years. It has given me the permission I think I was missing or needed or was looking for to take more chances and and know that that it's it's not going to be the end of the world even if it doesn't work out have i sold ten thousand copies of this no am i going to probably not i mean that would be super neat but Mm -hmm. that's not why i did it it became a challenge just to get it done because it kept growing and growing and growing in scope so now that it is done uh, it, it's you know I've 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 said this to a, a couple of friends. It's it's like that scene in my cousin Vinny where he's like, all right, I'm done with this guy. Who's next? You know, like I've I've finished I've finished this thing. Now what's next? What can I do next? Because if I can if I can do this this multi-year-long project and have it turn out honestly the the way I wanted it to turn out, then that's in some sort of I don't know existential way permission to be creative in other ways without worrying about the outcome. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's making sense. No, it, I, makes it makes, makes sense, sense in my me- head.
0: No, no, it makes perfect sense because I've realized that like, you know, the thing that I was able to change with my health, and I've also been playing softball for, for the last year, and there's there's something about having a feeling of accomplishing something,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, mm-hmm. and seeing something to completion. And, and maybe not even to completion, but seeing Seeing yourself doing it consistently, yeah, having constant challenges that you face, you know, with each day and each week, and being able to surmount them, I think that for me has been really invaluable to me yeah. over the last 100%. two years, and that, and that that helps to feed the machine that helps me to be creative. I think mm-hmm. that that was often missing from my life; that it felt like I was just expending a lot of energy and not getting anywhere. I call it running on the hamster wheel. Yeah, sure. You know, just being on the hamster wheel and running faster and faster and faster and then feeling like, what do I have to show for it?
1: Right. right? You're, you're looking out the window and you're still in the same place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, and it's exhausting, you know, and it's, you know, granted, okay, it's, it's, it's first world problem. Mm, I don't feel creative today. But when you're in it, it can feel paralyzing. It mm-hmm. can feel you know uh, painful physically painful emotionally painful you're 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 tired you're you're irritable you're you're saying and doing you know things to to people around you in an effort to both stifle and express that level of frustration
0: yeah so you have this idea for this book yep. right which covers a lot of you know materials about you know methodology technology approach sensibility it's a wonderful idea but there are millions of people who have wonderful ideas that never right. see it through fruition right and there are no shortages of books on photography right so no, you, had a lot mean, of you had a lot of excuses as to why not why not even try to do this right 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 so what led you to do it and what kept kept you going to the point that you're actually able to finish it and put it out there
1: you know, I don't. I don't really know why I started it. I, I I found one of my very first notes, and it was it was dated uh, September. I think it was September thirtieth, um, two thousand thirteen. And it was just the the initial. It was twenty six initial terms, and I don't think it was even the the sort of hero terms. The, the way the book is broken up, each each letter it has kind of a hero term that is either maybe one of the more important terms for that letter or the more interesting terms and then there are there are supporting terms within within each letter. So I had 26 and I thought, you know what, it would be kind of fun to to just create a PDF and 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 give it away maybe to on taking pictures listeners or maybe you know maybe i'll start a newsletter and and that'll be sort of the 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 sign up giveaway you know sign up for this and i'll i'll, I'll give you this newsletter i mean i'll give you this pdf you know it, again this sort of this sort of family dynamic can affect everything you do my father died on november 4th so i was you know i spent that 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 next month and sometime after at his house And I didn't really work on it, and it didn't see the light of day for a while. And then I picked it up again a while later, and and thought, you know what, this is this is an interesting idea. I think it 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 is. I mean, it's 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 sort of the 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 the, the cliche version is is you know, it's it's the book I wish I had when I was starting photography. Mm. And to a degree, that's true. Um, My my first experience with with photography as anything but uh documenting an event i don't know you know if maybe you had a similar experience but the camera when i was when i was a kid the camera was something you took out uh, uh shot the birthday party or the vacation photo and and then put it back in the bag and it stayed there until the next event you know so a roll of film would last you all year <laughs> because you're only taking a photo or two at a time um <laughs> My my grandfather gave me a, a his Yashica mat. He had a Yashica mat 124G, and uh, he he threw some tryacks in it. And he's he said, you know, go take some pictures. And I it just dumbfounded me that that you would go just take pictures of of nothing in particular. And so I went out in the backyard, and I I don't even remember probably hedges and the house and you know whatever it was. And uh, he had a darkroom. He had a little trailer that he converted into a darkroom. And he brought me back in, and, and we we processed the film, and you know put it in the dryer, and 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 then we we made a print, and that was the first time that I had ever seen, you know, a photograph fade up in a in a tray of developer. And it's it, for those of you who who are listening who have experienced that, it's something you don't forget. You don't forget the smell of it. You don't forget the sight of this blank sheet of paper suddenly having an image on it. It's it's uh, this sort of you know alchemy kind of kind of process. So I started thinking about all that and why I got into photography and what I liked about it, and you know, it it, it didn't have anything to do with the gear, really. I mean, I, I am prone to fetishizing over gear as as much as the next guy, but the people that I've met over the past, let's say, decade, yourself, David Dushman, um, you know, I've had a chance to to talk to a number of people for whom the process of making and the creativity behind making is much more important than, than the tools of making. Right. So I just thought about it and I thought, well, you know, if, if I were going to f- flesh this out a little more, what would it include? It, it evolved. And, you know, I was, I was sort of guilty of feature creep where, you know, I thought, okay, I'm done. This is what it's going to be. And I thought, well, no, what if I did some, some, you know, little tips along the way. And so I added those in and, and, you know well what if what if you know there are questions that i've had and what, what if i could provide answers to to some common questions that might come up as you're reading through this stuff so that got added into it and then i i started you know sketching out little icons and drawings and and you know so things just became more and more uh, elaborate is the wrong word but detailed i guess mm-hmm. and it just kept growing and evolving and then i thought well you know what i spent a lot of years talking to people about photography. What if I reached out to some of my favorite photographers and, and asked if they would be part of this book and I could ask them a few questions and, and you'd be able to get some insights from, from, you know, people in different sort of genres of photography that I admire and, and that I have, have had a chance to, um, in some cases get to know or just sort of admire from afar. So I, I sent out some requests to people and, and, Everybody said yes. Uh, so, you know, I got to include, uh, you know, Ben Thomas and, and John Keatley and Bettina LaPlante and, and David Dushman and Koji Hernandez, uh, you know, it, so Rindsey Ruiz, who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, it just became bigger and, and more interesting as, as the project went on. And, and then there was the writing itself, which was, you know, I love writing but I hate the kind of writing that I did in this book. It's, it's a challenge, yeah. it's, it's how do you make something that's, that's dry and, and somewhat technical interesting, you know? So that, was, that became one of the hurdles that I wanted to get over is, is trying to make it not like just a Wikipedia entry, but, but to give it a little bit of context and a little bit of, of meat on the bone rather than just dry facts, you know? Gosh, I'm rambling, but no, that's... No, hey, this is good rambling. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, that's kind of the stuff that went into it. And, it, and it, it just became then, you know, so now now I've got all this material. And I was like, okay, well, now what do, what do I want it to look like? You know, so that became another challenge. So I looked to, you know, um, people like Saul Bass or, or, you know, Maurice Binder or, or you know, even uh, um, Blue Note Reed Miles. Yeah, I think that's the name. Um, and looked at vintage camera manuals and and vintage photographic manuals and and looked at just some of those things that that uh, that were of a certain time when I was learning photography, you know, and tried to to pull from those things and and create this sort of homage to. To not only the knowledge of photography and and sort of my grandfather's introduction of, of photography to me, but the look and feel of, of the way these things felt, you know, in the gosh, late 60s, early 70s, I guess. You
0: know, what, what I'm hearing you saying, because part of my question was how did you sort of keep the momentum going, mm-hmm. and what I'm hearing you saying is that, you know, you reached out, you connected with other people, that, that when you Looked for inspiration. It was not just empty calories. It was not just endless YouTube videos, right? Right. It was it no, was it absolutely. was stuff that really fed and you know helped to keep the fire burning in terms of what's something you were trying to create. Sure. Um, so, t- talk a little bit about that about keeping yourself accountable. You just you know I just pointed out two things, but you know what were the what were the things that you felt were absolutely essential.
1: Um, that's a great question. And I don't know that I've, I've really thought about it in, in, in specific terms of what I thought was necessary. I just wanted to make something, it really came down to feel, you know, I, I kind of approached the book in a, in a similar way to, to how I approach cameras. Um, I like the way certain cameras feel in my hands. I like the way certain cameras feel to handle whether or not I'm shooting with them. They they just feel good. With this book, you know, I, I, I had to play to my strengths. I think I had to, I had to sort of punch my weight, and I know that I'm not going to write a, a a book in the same way that, that David Dusherman writes because I'm I'm not anywhere close to the writer that he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in many ways, I think he's a better writer than he is a photographer, and he's a wonderful photographer. But his words. I have read over and over again, and I've, I've spoken to him, he's you know he's become a, a, a friend, and you know I, I knew that that's not the direction that this was going to go in, that that it had to more accurately represent me. So I drew on a design background, I drew on um, my connection with with talking to, interviewing, having conversations with other photographers and and wanted it to be something that I hadn't seen before in, in a book and, and maybe it's out there. I just haven't seen it, but I, I look, I am not reinventing, you know, (laughs) the photography book, Mm -hmm. but I wanted it to be something that, that, could strike a lot of notes that that could be a reference guide yes it could provide some inspiration yes it could give you some exercises to do to to sort of reinforce some of the concepts that 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 may be more or less difficult depending on where you find yourself on the continuum some of the stuff is very basic some of it gets a little techie so i i think i overall i wanted to make something that would challenge me as a as a writer as a as an illustrator and as a photographer because I shot all the photos in here and I wanted to make them interesting and not just sort of demonstrative of the concept or the term that they were associated with so th- there were there weren't really any concrete challenges I just kept working through it and expanding it and and refining it down sort mm-hmm. of you know it started as this sort of block of wood and I just kept taking the edge off until it felt right
0: but, uh, you know you say you didn't have a lot of challenges but i think the creation itself is the challenge right mm. it's, it's doing the work that you have to do you know every day that mm-hmm. is is often the, the the biggest challenge it's not any big dramatic obstacle right it's just like it's that two hours that you dedicate to it to
1: it that yeah, day. It's, it's showing up and doing the work, whether it's the research or whether it's, you know, who's going to print it and and what kind of paper stock is it going to be on and how's the binding going to look? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, when, when you're making something, whether it's making photographs or writing or painting or woodworking or welding or whatever it is, you know, y- you're making hundreds or even thousands of little choices that add up to that end product or the or that that image or that body of work and it's a you know it's it's a it can be a marathon you know those little things add up and they take energy and they take diligence and you go back and you second guess yourself especially if you're somebody like like me or or even you it sounds like mm-hmm. you 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 are seldom happy with it on the first go around at least i am seldom happy with it on the first go around you know you find yourself um, refining and refining and refining one of the things that was that was uh, that I am I am grateful for is the ability to have the time to put into it there was no hard deadline i didn't have you know uh, a a published date or a release date or or anything like that so i had i had the ability to to the best of my ability make it my own and and make it the book that i wanted to see would I do it the same way? No, probably not. Uh, because it did take, it did take a lot of time, you know? Um, but in the end, I think it's something I know it's something that I'm very, very proud of. Um, the response has been wonderful. Um, it it seems to be helpful to people and that's what I wanted more than anything was, was to create something that, that, yes, the aesthetics of it are are, are important and I'm happy that, that people like the way it looks, but I wanted it to be helpful. You know, I wanted it to be something that you could carry along with you or toss in a camera bag or refer to, not just, you know, flip through it that first time and then stick it on the shelf and go, yeah, I've got this book. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wanted it. I mean, I, I call it a field guide for a reason. I want it to be something that, that, you know, maybe you take notes in it. Maybe you you know you dog your pages. Maybe you give it as a gift. I don't know. Maybe you find somebody that you go. Oh, you know what? I know who would like this. It's not for you, but it's for somebody else. Um, I wanted it to to be useful to the photographic community.
0: And I think that that attitude is sometimes what helps get me in front of the computer and write myself. Mm-hmm. Or get out and shoot, or get out and teach. This idea that it's going to help somebody else. Yeah, you know, getting yeah. out of my own self-serving in terms of what this might do for me, sure, is is often the the, the thing that helps to push me, mm-hmm. right? Because I go, if I do this, somebody, at least one person out there is going to be helped. And right. I think doing the, doing the podcast is very helpful because I hear all the time from people whose lives are made better because of what I've been doing. You Absolutely. Know, I, I talk to people. I, like, I'm one
1: of them. I mean, whether, whether it's listening to someone who I've never heard of before and being exposed to a new, a new direction and a new body of work, or just hearing the way you filter something and interpret something, it's wonderfully helpful. I mean, it's 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 one of those shows that that there are a number of reasons you can listen, but listen, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, because I, I I basically uh, to
0: to some degree created you know created the show for completely self serving reasons. Mm-hmm. It's like I need to hear this, and no one else is doing it. Mm-hmm. I right? mean, this is the stuff that I need to hear. But yeah, as a result of you know the show persisting and being out there it's doing that for, for a lot of other people but when it comes Absolutely. time to do the stuff that i needed to do here that is outside of the show uh sometimes i have to think in terms of h- how is this going to be of service to somebody else because mm-hmm. that helps to get me out of my own ego you know and to think about about i i have to do this because it's going to help somebody else in some way and i may not even know who that person is or how it will change change it but if i do this it can be of help to someone. And it's somehow that in and of itself will help me. And then I'll have the satisfaction of being able to have put in those, you know, whatever number of hours that I dedicated to all this work for each day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, because I think, I think that that for me is, is sort of the linchpin for me. Um, When I get too self-obsessed, when it's all about me, uh, it's near impossible for me to get out of my own way. Right, you know, I'm right. too formidable of an obstacle to get around. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: love that. I'm too formidable of an obstacle. That's good. Yeah, and it's you're exactly right. I mean, and I think if you approach work from that standpoint of of how can how can this serve, or uh, you know, maybe there's just I just want to see this in the world. I want to see this realized, this materialized. I, I want to take it from from thought to thing without thinking about the thing in terms of, uh, you know, where is it gonna land? You know, I remember talking to, um, there was a publisher that I was talking to early on. He asked me, he said, well, why do you wanna do this? Why why are you doing this? And I think the, the first thing I said to him was, I just wanna see it. I just wanna hold this thing. I, I, I want to just see this out in the world. And he said, okay, okay. You know, and you and I both know. And you, you've written a book. Very few people make any money selling books. You're not going to mm. make money selling photo books. Not going to make a lot of money. So that can't be the motivation for it. That can't be the the, the, the reason to to put in the time, put in the effort. It's got to be more than that. Because if it's not, a it's going to come across that way, and b you're going to be very disappointed. I think. Yeah, I'm in the process of writing another uh, writing another book because I had taken a break for.
0: I think it's three years now since I wrote the last one, mm. and so uh, all of this stuff is is stuff that I'm having to uh, contend with. You know, mm-hmm. who am I writing it for? Why am I writing it? The struggles of you know sitting in front of the computer for two hours each day to knock something out.
1: If it's um, only two hours, if it's only two hours, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, two hours is a light day. I know, man. I know about it. Hours, <laughs> uh, hours is good, but if I can do like yeah. two. Yeah,
1: when, when you look out the window that first time and it's light and then you look out the window again and it's dark and you go, what am
0: I doing? Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think that it's... You know, one of the things that uh, really has really benefited me, uh, in a couple of weeks, um, Los Angeles Center of Photography has their uh, Street Week. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the fourth year that they've done it. And uh, I have spoken at it, I think, the last three years, if not, if not all four. Wow. And it's really interesting because they have... Uh, Usually on each day, they have seven or eight different photographers that speak about their process. And, and, I, and I've attended the entire day uh, the last two years. One of the most valuable takeaways for me has been to see how all these different shooters who self-identify as street photographers approach the process of creating mm. pictures on the street. And you see not just the work, but you also understand how different everyone is in terms of how they create their photographs right right we all going out there with very similar cameras we're sometimes shooting in the very same streets sure Uh, but everybody just comes away uh having their own personal process and there's no right or wrong about it it's wonderful isn't it in the end it's just the images and for me it's just like for me it's always trying to return to that space it's like you know, it's it's not just uh, trying to do it right, it's trying to do it right for me. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. I can, if I can remember that, if I can return to that, then I'm okay. It's when I start being hypercritical about how I'm doing it or the end result, is that where I just make a mess of things. Yeah, And I try to remember when, you know, when I see kids practicing photography, they're not burdened by this stuff. They just right, go up there, just taking pictures, they're just making pictures, and yeah. they sometimes do it remarkably so. They yeah.
1: put some of us grown folks to shame, right? <laughs> Seriously, you you <laughs> seen those pictures? I I have, uh, and it's it is it is inspiring. It is frustrating, you know. Uh, in in some, you know. <sighs> I, I love Rinzey's work, and mm-hmm. and I have I have walked along and and even shot on some of the same streets that Rinzey shoots on in L.A. But I don't remember seeing any of the stuff that he sees. <laughs> I've had the, I've had the exact same experience with him. I'm right next to him, and I go, "Where'd he go?" Yeah, I have <laughs> I have no idea how you saw that, but I love it. Yeah, you know, um, and it's it, I, I I I love street photography for that reason. You know, it is it is in many ways such a level playing field in terms of of the equipment and the locations but it is around every corner is a chance to see something different you know and and the more you sort of revisit those places i think the more interesting they get you know
0: so tell me how you know because you you mentioned earlier the the podcast that you do with bill wadman yep who is quite the remarkable photographer he's quite productive um, I love following him on Instagram and taking a look at his pictures, especially the work he's been doing over the last year and a half.
1: I right, guess now. yeah, he's on his second 365 project now. Right. He, he he finished one and just launched right into another one, yeah.
0: So tell me about not only being sort of privy to sort of the inside story behind this guy's work, but having this sort of regular dialogue with him about process, about creativity, about all these things. How has, that, how has that helped
1: you? Oh, you know, in, in a... Gosh, that's a, that's a big question. I think first and foremost, it, it gives me a hard date every week that I know I'm going to explore something interesting. I know we're going to talk about photography to a greater or lesser degree. And and a lot of times we get off of the, the photography specific uh, path and, and talk about things that are, that are, you know, more related to making art and, and creativity overall, not specific to photography. And I think that's one of the things that I, that I really love about the show is it is every week is a deep dive about something. And it may be something that we've talked about before, but we see it in a different way. It may be something that we haven't touched on before it may be something that that uh, a listener has has written in and and asked about or commented on and I will say that that the listener emails that we get are rarely the hey guys love the show it's rarely that it's more often it's paragraphs or even pages of either what they're going through or what the show has meant or questions about about um, Everything from, you know, which flash to use to why bother creating it all when nobody seems to like it but me. You know, it, it really does run the gamut. Mm-hmm. And I think that has been the fuel for, you know, coming up on the end of our sixth year now is, again, it's it's in many ways, it's it's the same as the book. It is a service. We're trying to serve the community. We're trying to have the conversations that that um, in, in many ways need or want to be had that don't revolve around f-stops and and megapixels and and all the stuff that that while it is occasionally interesting it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of making pictures you know I mean I, I look at some of the work that that people do with phones or with you know ten year old DSLRs and it shames me it humbles me it 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 Absolutely puts what I do, you know, in in the back seat because they're seeing differently, and that's what it's about. It's about seeing differently. It's not yeah. about you know who's got more of what kind of gear. I mean, there are use cases certainly. I mean, recently I had uh, some of the paintings. I had a, a friend of mine shot them with a, a hundred megapixel phase, and. Man, that is a lot of detail. But nobody's going to carry around a hundred megapixel phase to go street shooting, you know. And uh, don't even put if it you, past them. <laughs> I mean, I guess if, if money were no object and and you had you know Herculean shoulders and arms and wanted to carry this thing around all day, okay. But you know, so in in certain use cases, yeah, the tech is important. Uh, you know, the, the the gear does matter in certain cases, but. It is, it is not the essential component to making images. And I think that's why the show is so interesting is Is because we do get to talk about that. And in terms of Bill and I, I think one of the things that has kept us coming back is, is um, this idea of bearing witness to each other's evolution or transformation um, as we move through different seasons of our lives of, of different seasons of our our, our own creativity uh, you know when I started the show as you, as you pointed out, I was not married and living on the west coast and Bill was not married and now he is and now I am and now I live on the east Coast and you know so th- there are there are all of these sort of life changes to to greater or lesser degrees that we get to explore in each other's lives and in the lives of our listeners and and try and wrestle with how that connects to Making, yeah, whatever it is you're making,
0: and I think I, I think the, the important thing that you demonstrate and Bill demonstrates in and is a great reminder to, to me is that creativity should never be in isolation. You know, you may do the work by yourself, but it doesn't mean the overall experience has to be a solitary one. And I, think it's, I think it's a mistake too many of us make Absolutely. on occasion.
1: Yeah, I could I could not agree with that more. It is it is solitary sometimes, but but there is such a, I guarantee you, whatever type of making that you do out there, there are groups of people who are, who are making and, and struggling with the making and would be only too happy to connect with you and, and go through some of that together. I mean, it's, it, is, it is common thread for, for many of us. Mm. Well, my last question, which you know, I, which I ask each guest, is I ask them to recommend
0: another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone—someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So, who would that one photographer? Oh my gosh!
1: Um, well, I'll tell you, there there is someone that I'm sure you've talked about him uh, many times, and and I, I would like to. Uh, there's a, a funny story. Uh, we were at uh, Paris Photo, I think it was. Would it have been 2013? Is that the last last year that it was? Uh, it was t- last year was
0: two years ago. So I think it was three, maybe four years ago, something like that. Okay. Yeah.
1: I had run into you. You were walking around. You and your wife were walking around and we ran into each other. We didn't know we were going to be there. And uh, so Ibarian next says to me, I'm, you know, I'm so glad we got a chance to see the Herzogs. And... Uh, and I, I, I confess, I had no idea. I thought you were talking about like some friends that you knew, like, oh, we <laughs> ran into the Hertzogs and, and, you know, the sound stay. I'm like, oh, where, where did you see them? And you, you said, oh, they're in, you know, stage 12 or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of remember just going on my merry way going, well, you know, that was interesting. I'm, I'm glad he got to see some friends, you know. <laughs> I walk into this, to this sound stage and then, you know, I'm like, oh, Fred Herzog. Okay, the Herzogs, and uh, it 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 just it was a it was a funny moment, and I I became a a a huge fan of of Mr. Herzog and his work, and it was it was absolutely because of you, (laughs) in in a roundabout sort of way, so that would that would be one of them, Fred Herzog, and gosh. Who else? You know, uh, since we've been talking about street, uh, and again, this is probably somebody because you've been doing the show for seventeen years. Daito Moriyama is another favorite. Oh
0: yeah, that, yeah.
1: I really love his work. Um, I I love the aesthetic. I love how 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 different the the bodies of work are from one to another. And I love the fact that he's just walking around with a little you know gr2 most of the time, being as as sort of. You know, unseen as possible through through the streets where he lives. Oh, I, I saw an exhibit in Paris which included Daito Moriyama.
0: It was and it, it focused on a variety of different Japanese uh, post-war uh, World War II photographers. It was fascinating. Mm. Uh, Wonderful work. Yeah, and I, yeah. You
1: know, sometimes I don't like. I don't like everything. That, that i've seen of his but i am intrigued by everything that i see of his and i i can't say that about a lot of photographers that his work challenges me in in a, in a in a way that um few others that i have seen do yeah yeah and and that's that's always the best kind of photographer absolutely yeah. absolutely so where can
0: people get you get, get your book photography by the Letter?
1: Uh, you can get it at photographybytheletter.com. Uh, you can go to com and it, there's a there's a big image with a button, and you know all the usual places: Twitter, Instagram, occasionally Facebook. I, I don't, you know, I don't use Facebook that often. I will be honest; it it basically just, you know, whenever I post something to Instagram, it then gets propagated to Twitter, which then gets propagated to. Facebook because I'm I'm too lazy to manage all three of them at once. Well, <laughs> oh, Jeffrey, thank you, man. It's always a pleasure. Oh, thank you, thank you. This is this is good. We we need to do one of these. You know, not every three years or <laughs> whatever it's. Been. agreed agree.
0: Thanks to Jeffrey for joining us. Find out more about Jeffrey and his book by visiting jeffreysadoris.com and check out his podcast, On Taking Pictures, which you'll find on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And you can show your support for The Candid Frame by writing a review in the iTunes store. As people search for podcasts, these reviews can lead people to listen to us for the very first time, and that can make all the difference. So if you haven't already, please take the time to do it today. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help us not only meet the cost of production, but also allow us to improve the podcast, YouTube channel, and website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal. You'll find links for both on the Candid Frame website or the show notes. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS and and Android. Not only will you immediately receive the latest episode on your phone or tablet, but you can now easily share your favorite episode on your social networks and help spread the word. And if you want to drop me a line with comments or suggestions for the show, you can email me directly from the app. Download it today by clicking on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at TheOtherMartinTaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at IbarionX. And this is IbarionX, and this is The Candid Frame.